So I uh, prepared some things that I wanted to say to you, but um, something came before my eyes just yesterday. And so I'm gonna deviate a short bit and give you this. Um, one of our um, church friends who lives in Texas um, and has been a member of the um, uh, Eastern Religions Book Club for 20 years posted on Facebook, is there a hope for a country that's so full of hate? And someone who I didn't know replied to it. The problem is hate is aggressive, while love is not. And then our own Bob Jordan responded with something that I found extremely profound. He said, although aggressive, hate is aggressive and love is not, love is active. It means choosing and committing oneself every moment. And I thought that was really very profound. I thank you. As many of you know, I was raised by very liberal Jewish parents that were both scientists and both quite secular. I don't believe that the word God was spoken in my home, ever. Um, I remember doing dishes with my mother when I was in high school, and it suddenly crossing my mind, I wonder if she believes in God. And I asked her, and she did, but it just, it was really quite a secular place to grow up. I would say for the most part I'm a humanist, um, although I did live for 25 years in a state that's predominantly Buddhist and became quite comfortable with Buddhism. So how did it come about that I'm joining in the pulpit today with a Christian bishop of a new creation ministry and declare to you that I love this man, his empowered wife, beautiful wife, um, that are here today, Pastor Teresa Cooper, and his big extended family and his entire congregation. So, took some thinking, how did we get here? Many of you are religious pluralists. They're wanting different religions to share a common goal, interreligious cooperation. Um, if it's possible to climb life's mountain from any side, but when the top is reached, the trails converge. But some people disagree with that. They think we can only reach cooperation through understanding our real differences that each religion is responding to different problems with different solutions. For example, Christians may think the problem basically is sin and the solution is salvation, while Buddhists, the problem is suffering and the solution is the Eightfold Path. But the Dalai Lama offered a third viewpoint. He thinks the common thread running through all great religions is compassion, the natural capacity of the human heart to feel concern for and connection with another human being. He concludes, while religions may differ in their metaphysical views, religious and secular views converge in the realm of compassion and ethics. I think the Dalai Lama is on to something. With compassion and ethics, it's what brought me here today. Through my work in the nonprofit sector, I had the opportunity to lis listen to Bishop Cooper speak about mentoring youth. Um, as he spoke, he was talking about an experience where he saw a hurting child. 
and he had sort of an epiphany moment where he realized that all of the children of the earth are one and that he needed to dedicate his life to um, mentoring and helping the hurting children. And as he spoke, I felt my heart expanding and I identified that feeling. I was feeling compassion. So I began working more closely with them and I have for almost all of my 10 years in Shreveport. And each year I see more of the compassion and more of the ethics that constitute his character. In fact, one of my favorite remembrances is doing a final grant report with um, Teresa Cooper, uh, his wife, and um, kind of being short on having a figure that we needed. And I said, can we interpolate that? And she said, oh goodness, no, we have to have the exact fact. And you know, she just wasn't willing to fudge. And um, I think that's a hallmark of their, um, their nonprofit um, efforts is uh, one of ethics. Yes, our metaphysical views are quite different, but there is love more powerful than differences or fear in claim on our heart. And just as a side note, being a science gal and all, I needed verifiable evidence that his mentoring program was actually having an impact on the community. And I could go into great detail about that, but I can say without hesitation, it does in spades. With that, I introduce Bishop Sean Cooper of New Creation Family Church, my friend. Good morning, everybody. You all look very well. Uh, I'm so honored to be here, of course, with my beautiful wife. Uh, I've been married for 33 years to life. And uh, she's my girlfriend. We met, of course, when we were very young. And uh, she's been my friend, my co-laborer, uh, my girlfriend for all these years, and so I honor her as well as um, Pastor John, who goes to my church. He's just a, a faithful minister of the gospel, and uh, he helps me to load the equipment and break it down, and he's just faithful and dedicated, and I love him dearly. And also I wanna give honor to pastor that's not here. We honor her in her absence. I think she's on a sabbatical, and uh, I just got off a sabbatical for one month. Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, it's good to get rest. But I, I do want to say that Judy is remarkable. She's an incredible woman that has a love for the community, love for people that is, it is uh, very authentic, it's real, and it's powerful. And I'm so glad it's been 10 years that we've been working together to make an impact in the community. I want to just uh, take a moment and just share with you about biblical goodness and also as we deal with social justice as well, because often um, we don't recognize uh, how, important, how important it is to not just talk, talk about change, but actually be the reality of change by demonstration. And so social justice is a political and philosophical concept which holds that all people 
should have equal access to wealth, health, uh, justice, and opportunity. It is the treatment of fairness and real respect when we talk about social justice. But also, we must understand that there is a biblical goodness that is incorporated in social justice. You cannot have true, pure justice without understanding that there are biblical foundations and principles that exemplify that. So we talk about it from a philosophical and a legal and a political standpoint. But the Bible got something to say about when we talk about justice. The scripture says in Hosea 14 and 3, for in you the fatherless finds compassion. The fatherless finds compassion. Isaiah 1 and 17 says, learn to do right, seek justice, relieve the oppressed, and correct the oppressor. Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Psalms 82 and 3 says, learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the cause of the widow. St. John 14 and 18 says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and widow and love the alien, giving him food and clothing. Proverbs 29 and 2 says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. Let me give you just one more. Leviticus 19 and 33. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner, those that are born, I'm sorry, among you, you must treat them, the native-born, love them as yourself, love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. So it's very clear that the Bible deals with this thing called compassion and mercy. But I believe that our generation now has become cold. Uh, Matthew 24 talks about, because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. In other words, as we approach what we believe as the end times, um, coldness will be normal. In other words, people will, they will literally divorce mercy and become cold and indifferent and, and haughty. But I believe that we as people of faith must recognize that we must elevate beyond our own personal um, circumstance or our own personal issues because we all have issues. Am I the only one? We all have challenges, right? Whether it's with your children, whether it's economic challenges. Me and my wife have been married 33 years. I am always right. <laughs> but, we, you know, it's, we've had some tough times. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to go beyond um, our home, to reach beyond that, to help the broken and the hurting, or to have a heart that is, that is, that is broken for the broken, a heart that is, is, is overwhelmed with the, the compassion and the love of God that goes beyond what we're personally going through. There's a story in, in the Bible, in the book of Luke, and most of you guys know this story. If you don't, I just want to give you a synopsis on it. This is a, a, a rich ruler. Actually, this is the story, actually, of uh, a lawyer 
He was a biblical man. Um, he knew the Bible, but he came up to Jesus and he said, um, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, hey, um, have you did the commandments? And, uh, and the Lord was just saying, so, so uh, what do you think? And he said, yes, um, I, I, I know the commandments. Uh, and he began to quote the commandments to Jesus. And basically he was saying that uh, as a, a person that demonstrates love, you must love your brother as yourself because that is very important in the law of God. And so Jesus asked him another question and he started deviating from what love is, how love is displayed. And so Jesus did a parallel. He said, let me just give you a story. He said, the gentleman was just on his way, um, just on his way to perhaps an appointment business meeting the Bible says he fell among thieves and they beat him and they robbed him. They took all of his money and left him for dead. The Bible says that a priest, a man of God, was on his way perhaps to church and he saw this man bleeding on the side of the street, helpless, hopeless. The Bible said he saw this man and he walked on the other side and went to church. Another gentleman came and he was uh, a Levite. He was a religious man that loved God and went to church and was faithful, dedicated and devoted, but he lacked the essential demonstration of love, right? He, he saw the same guy, bleeding, dying, and he kind of walked up to him, but then he said, I, this is too much trouble. And so he proceeded to walk on the other side. But then the Bible said that there was a Samaritan that came. Of course, we know that the Samaritan uh, has Jewish, he's Jewish, but also a Gentile, which means that he had a mixture of ethnicity. Um, he saw this man, and the Bible said he walked up to him, and he began to bandage this man up. He began to pour, pour oil and wine and, and remedies of that day to attend to the, the issue the problem of this man. And the Bible says that he took this man to an innkeeper, gave him money, and said, I will return. If, if you need more money to, to, you know, what you have spent, if you spent over what I've given you, um, I'll take care of it when I get back. This is actually the epitome of what we call biblical mercy and true love. It is to authenticate and exercise by demonstration what we believe. You guys know in this generation, we are divided politically. We have the white, we have the black, we have the Democrats, we have the Republican, and people are fighting for rights, but they lack the, the, the actual evidence, which is dem the demonstration of love. You see, uh, this, this Samaritan could have said, well, because he's Jewish, I'm not going to do it. He could have said, well, because he's a Republican or because he's Baptist or because there was no restriction to his love, because it is a demonstrative love. It is a love that is authenticated. It's a love that's seen, not just heard, but it's a love that operates in actuality, evidence. One of the reasons why I started School of Greatness, I have a great church, very um, powerful ministry, I think it is. Um, 
we have always fed the hungry. We've always um, tried to make an impact in the neighborhood because we didn't want to be people that proclaimed Jesus, proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed that we know the Bible, but didn't authenticate it. And so um, I had went to Uganda for a missionary trip. And when I went to Uganda, the, the average family makes $300 a year. $300 to $1,200 a year. And I saw poverty in, in no windows, no doors, no electricity, no running water. And I was ripped and broken in my heart. When I got back, it took me about two weeks to uh, refocus because I was so overwhelmed with the, the grief. I couldn't get those babies out of my head. When it was raining, they didn't have any shoes and no windows, no doors. You know, and people were fighting over shoes. They were fighting over toothpaste. Um, when I got home, I said, even though we feed the hungry, we clothe the naked. We do what we call the gospel in action. There is a more elevated and more uh, clear assignment that now we got to move to not just feeding the hungry and clothing, clothing the naked. We got to create something that will make community impact and generational change. And during the course of that, you see, love will drive you beyond normality. Love will move you beyond giving from a distance. Distance. Now we need money, but this time and season when we deal with the pain of our nation, need everybody on the floor, everybody fully engaged in the mission in order to do generational change. And during the course of, of uh, my time, uh, for one year I sat with the kids to determine what could we do that is so profound, that is so uh, generational, uh, having a generational change, what we, could we do that regardless of poverty, regardless of the, the uh, single mother, could we do something in a model that create a support system? that these kids will never be the same, in spite of being fatherless, in spite of impoverty. Can we create a system and a model that would change their thought life and cause them to elevate? And so when I sat down with the kids for a whole year, um, I discovered that they didn't have a dream. And the ones that had a dream did not know how to make that dream a reality, okay? And so as we begin to unfold uh, the School of Greatness, we begin to teach four guiding topics. I know who I am. I know the potential I possess. I know where I'm going, and I know how to get there. And out of those particular four uh, principles that we taught, we've been able to create curriculum, new models, new systems. We do reading, writing, critical thinking. You name it, almost we're doing it. And it is a lasting change, mentored over 1,200 kids. 98% of them graduate, go to college, some type of secondary education. You see, love, okay? Not love from a distance, but I'm talking about love in demonstration. Not love that just yell at the TV, but the love <laughs> that gets you in the game. That's the love of God. That is the love of God in action. That is the reality of God's power. That is the, that is how we exercise what we believe. Our convictions moves us to action. And whatever the price is, 
we're willing to pay that price for lasting change. We are a powerful people when we're united. Come on. We are a powerful people. And, and you know, sometimes religion and belief systems cut us short and keep us uh, encased or bound by our religious mentality. But notice the, the Samaritan God. It, was, it didn't matter what color this gentleman was. It wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't concerned about what religious uh, you know, group that he came from. This was a need that unless, unless I help this person, he will die. This is the mentality of true justice and true love when we can move beyond religious perceptions, race, political affiliations, and we can begin to really dwell in true harmony and unity because there are a lot of broken young ladies, whether black or white, there is a lot of things that's going on economically that we could make a difference. So I want to encourage you guys with this thought. I want, to, I want to encourage you that there is a biblical goodness, right? And there is social justice that we have to allow that to coexist. One of the great things about my wife is that she believes in me. Although there may be negativities, yes, there may be um, things in my personal life that I'm trying to get together, but her love for me is unconditional. She loves me whether I'm up, she loves me whether I'm down, but she is interested in making sure I clean the room right, you know what I'm saying? Do my father <laughs> husband stuff. Uh, but all in all, her love is pure. May that be our love for our nation. May, our, may that be the love for the broken, is that we can love in spite of the external, or we can love beyond systems, that our love will be authentic, it will be pure, and that's where the power is at. That's where the innovation is at, is at the innovation, and that's where the change is at. I appreciate you guys inviting me to come. I've enjoyed myself. This has been pretty great. This has been good. But I love you and thank you for having me. I'll be back in the morning.